this is the Fearless Fathers Podcast, a podcast for you, the fathers who suffer in silence every single day. Come with us as we hit those main topics that are just burning through your soul. It's going to get uncomfortable, it's going to be fun, and together we will become fearless. Hello again, guys, and welcome to another episode here on the Fearless Fathers Podcast. It's Davo here. Good to be back in the saddle. We're kicking it back off like we promised we would. And we have a really cool one for you guys today. On the mic with me, I have a good man. He comes from the Motor City, Detroit, Michigan, father of two. He is running his thing. I did a review on him recently. If you remember when I talked about he had an album that just dropped, Speramus Meloria, I probably butchered that, which translates to We Hope for Better Things. I have Mr. Matteo Rufino on the line who goes by Rufio. Matt, say what's up to the Fearless family. Hey, Fearless family. How's everyone doing today? How you doing, man? I am fantastic, man. I am actually super stoked that you're on this show today and you agreed to sit down with us. <laughs> well, thanks for having me here. I'm actually really excited to be here today, too. Oh, that sounds so professional. I love it. I love it. <laughs> but we're going to we're going to kick in with uh Mr. Rufio today, Mr. Matt, and we're going to talk a lot. If you listened to his album I said it when I did the review. I'm not a big rap guy. I'm big into metal that I talked about, but this album hits home deep. If you've ever battled with mental health issues, depression, anxiety, all of it before, this album is a roller coaster ride of emotions, relatable information, and it's absolutely, absolutely fire. I mean, from the beginning to the absolute end. So we're gonna we're gonna pick Matt's brain today on what makes him a fearless father why he created the album the way he did, and a couple other things in there for you guys as well, too. So, Matt, to kick it off, uh, did you want to introduce yourself a little bit more to our Fearless family and if there's anything else I missed? Oh, yeah, definitely. So, Fearless family, my name is Rufio. Uh, Some people know me as Matthew or Matteo Rufino. I've been in Detroit now back since 2013, 2014. Um, Ex-military, been around around the world uh, once, I guess I could say. Used to travel a lot. I uh, never really like planted roots uh, up until a few years ago when I uh, decided to come back to uh, Michigan and Detroit and to uh, start planting roots here. During that time, I was kind of doing music, not really doing music, and you know, was going through like a really tough time the last couple years. And about last year, I just started to really think about what I was doing, you know, and why I was doing it and why I wasn't doing it. I don't know, decided to start making music again and did. And here I am, you know, sitting here in Detroit and I got a family now. Just put out my album last month. Actually, it'll be by the time people listen, it'll be a a month on the 15th. So, you know, just going through that and, you know, it's a whole new world, I guess you could say, with what, I, with what I'm doing here. And it sounds like it, man, but it, it sounds like it's a, also like a comfortable world, too. Like it's something that you've been so used to or the drive has always been there. And just being able to pick up and just move on and just really pick that passion apart just seems to really, really resonate, too, especially when I listen to the when I listen to the album. I mean, when you listen to the album, there's so much to unpack, like you said, and, you know, just years of pretty much dealing with it on my own, you know, being inside my own head. And having to really figure out, like, you know, how best to deal with it. I just 
came up with some stories along the way. Um, you know, just years of living it myself and not really knowing how to, I guess you, you know, say process these emotions and feelings and stuff. And, you know, after sitting there and going hiatus uh, with my music, the last song I put out, I've never actually officially put anything out uh, up until I started putting these singles out and stuff last year. But the like the last song I was working on had to be 2016, 2015-ish, I wow. 2016. So about four years, you know, me just sitting there not doing anything and trying to process like, you know, how I feel and like what's going on with my life and just trying to like be a better man at the end of it. So yeah, there was a real dark period um, leading up to me, you know, putting out this album. And we're going to hit on a lot of that for you guys today listening to the show. So we're not going to spoil a lot of surprises here as we talk about the album. But when we promise you that it's a whirlwind of emotion, I I promise you, I don't co-sign anything unless I believe in it. And I truly believe in what Rufio's doing here today, what he's been doing and what he's going to continue to do. Like I said, we're, we're going to save a lot of that for you guys as we move on to the show. But just to kick it off, Rufio, my dude, my boy, what's one of the best things that your oldest child did recently? <laughs> well, I don't know if it's like the best thing that they did this, but um, so the other day, so Frankie's my oldest. She is two and a half. May baby. Awesome. Nice springtime. I believe a lot of people born in May are uh, a little crazy. So I think my daughter <laughs> falls into that uh, category. But uh, so the other day I was I was telling her, Frankie, I need you to not grab that. Like, just don't just don't grab it. You know, just trying to be mm-hmm. very nice and cordial. I mean, it's really hard. They're, you know, they're little people, but they don't understand. But they know what they want. So they're going to do it anyway. But of I'm course. sitting there. I'm like, Frankie, d- don't touch that. And she stops and turns around. Not all the way. Just like half cocks her head and like just stares at me with her eyes. Like <laughs> and then starts to squint. And she's squinting and she's starting to reach her hand out again. And she's like. As she's reaching her hand out to grab this item, her eyes become as squinty as mine do when, you know, I'm having some fun. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, you little poop. Like, what are you doing? And I, it's so funny because I see myself in her and it's just absolutely funny to see that she has like the same comedic value that I that I hold dear with, you know, being yeah. like the physical comedy and stuff. So like seeing her do that was just like it was mind boggling. It was really cool to see, actually. Oh man, that's awesome. When you when you started saying that, all I thought of was like the Samuel L. Jackson meme. And you know this being a vet too, where they're like first sergeant waiting for you to act right, and it's just him like that old school dude just kind of <laughs> staring you down. <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly. That's all I thought about. Well, and she's it, like it, sitting there, she's like sitting there seeing like how how far will he let me get away with this? Mm-hmm. But like she knew what she was doing, two and a half years old, <laughs> and she's sitting there playing me like a fiddle, knowing that, like, what am I gonna do? You know, like <laughs> God, you got no game. You got no game. They they push exactly. your buttons, man. My mine's too. He just turned two and he does the same thing. He's got that personality. And I'm like you said, I look right at it and I see the comedic like he knows the comedic value. They know the personality and, and they know the buttons to push. It's crazy. When they're that, yeah. <laughs> they do, they do, and it, it, it's crazy because being so little, you, you sit there and you, and you stare at them, and you're like, "How much do you really know?" Like I'm talking to you, mm-hmm. you know. And there's times where I try to be more, I guess, converting my language down to what a two year old I feel like you know would understand. But then there's other times where like I sit there and have conversations with my two year old, like as if she's you know an adult, and I'm just sitting there like, "How much are you really comprehending and taking away?" 
But the weirdest part is she blows my mind with some of the stuff that she does. I'm like, where did she learn that? How does she know how to do that? And she just does it on her own. Say <laughs> my son just he just did something like that the other day. And I don't remember what it was, but he just like. Oh, God, it, it was just something crazy. We just ran up. He just started like babbling and yelling and pointing at people and then just walked away. And I'm like, where did you get that from? So Frankie does the the same thing. So Frankie's actually going to be going into uh, speech therapy soon because she's a little delayed, I guess you could say. Okay. I mean, she has her own language, though. You know, sure. when when my wife gets to uh, her parents to pick her up after work or when she comes home and talks to me, she'll come in. I mean, some days she'll be shy, you know, but other days she'll sit there and she'll look at you and then she'll just start talking in her own language, just babbling on. And expecting you to know exactly what she's saying. And like the funny part is like she'll sit there and say a word like bah. And then she'll stop her entire babbling conversation and reiterate that word as if she's asking you a question. Like, do you understand what I'm telling you about my day? Bah. Bah. And you're like, oh, yeah, for sure. And she's like, oh, bah, bah, bah. You know, it's just it's the coolest thing ever. Because they're 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 speaking, they're communicating, but in their own language, and I'm just like, way. yeah, we gotta we gotta convert that to English, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Man, if somebody, I just think of like the Simpsons when they just converted that like baby talk into real language. Like if somebody did that realistically, man, millionaire right there. I think we got an idea. Let's roll with it. Trademarked, already done. We're on it. Let's do this. <laughs> I mean, we could probably try to apply that for dogs as well, because that's like the next great 100%. thing. It's like, you know, well, I know you pooped. But did you really have to go or are you mad at me? Like, just let me know. (laughs) I love it. I dig it. We're going to have a great conversation here for you guys today. I hope you take notes. I hope something resonates with you as we're going on with this. So, Rufio, take us through a little bit of like your childhood and how you feel that shaped your parenting style. (laughs) Where do I even begin? Um, Like, just talking about my childhood is it's a really tough subject just because I feel like, you know, if my when my music pops off or if it ever pops off, you know, one of the one of the times I actually do a biopic on myself, it's gonna be a, like a bestseller. I'm not even trying to boost up my own ego here because like the stuff that I've seen and went through, like they're my childhood is just absolutely insane. You know, mm-hmm. and the older I get, it's crazy because I see a lot of people going through the the same kind of emotions and feelings. I mean, completely experiencing it differently, but like just looking at them and just listening to their conversation and their stories. I'm like, it's very similar. And it all just roots back to how their parents raised them, you know, and it, it, it goes even full circle. And like the full 360 it comes back to me because now, you know, that I'm a parent and I'm seeing how I react and how I do things and how it affects my children is crazy. Knowing as when I was a child, like looking up to my parents, you know, I always thought they knew everything like, they just kind of like they we wake up and they know what we're doing for the day. You know what I mean? They just knew what was going on for me to be in their shoes now to really understand that they really didn't know what the fuck they were doing, you know, <laughs> compared to like <laughs> what I'm doing. You know, it, it's just, it's pretty crazy. You know, through my childhood, my mom and dad, they were never married. Um, they were together for quite a while, but they kind of separated after I was born. So I had the uh, the two, you know households going mm-hmm. back and forth i'd go see my dad on the weekends i lived with my mom during the week uh for like the good majority of my life um but with my mom we ended up we we lived with my grandma for like a long time um we were always moving around though oh my god i think tell it like 10 different elementary schools i went to mm. four different high schools a couple different middle schools it was always on the move so it was always the new kid you know so 
having to live with a single parent and being the new kid and then also having, you know, siblings below you, you really learn a lot and you also keep a lot inside. Oh, yeah. You seen your mom do the things that, you know, she had to do and the things she didn't have to do, but did it anyway. Um, You're almost just, growing up quick. You're yeah. like growing up quick. Yeah. Yeah, you're growing up quickly. And, you know, with that, like you have to adapt and be able to, you know, take those things and hide it from, you know, your siblings, you know, and stuff like that. And the crazy part is I'm the oldest out of all my siblings, Mm. all of them. I have five sisters and two brothers across these two families, and I'm the oldest out of everyone. And, you know, I think part of like being isolated all these years kind of affected me in my later life because. I wouldn't say I have the best relationship with the siblings, you know, my brothers and sisters. I love them to death. You know, they're, they're the greatest, some of the greatest people I, I, I know, you know what I mean? And I hate people. <laughs> no offense, but <laughs> I, I can see like, you know, the inner relationships between them because a lot of them, you know, were closer in age or were together, you know, right. like I, I didn't really get, I guess, to experience that. I got to really be the person to on one side of the family, try to hide it from my siblings and be the man of the family because my, my mom did remarry twice. You know, but like her first husband, piece of shit. Second husband, good guy, you know, but couldn't really hold his anger. I mean, he he's ex-military, too. I mean, went and seen it all. So, you know, seeing him come home and deal with like with PTSD and stuff and then me trying to, again, hide all this and you know stuff like that. I've just seen a lot of different parenting styles. I've seen what it's like to, you know, have step parents on both sides to not really have your birth parents there but then see like your stepmom and your father have a close relationship with your siblings or like with your mother and your stepdad you know what i mean because they've had the You're children right. together so you know you see that and you just feel kind of you know alienated and left out even though maybe it's not meant to be that way but you know you, you kind of feel that way so and that's just like a scratch on the surface <laughs> of the things that yeah that sure. I, the things that i've seen so you know culminating all of that like the only thing that i wanted to do you know, when I had children was to tell myself that I'm not going to do the things that my parents did. And has that, have I held that true? Not, not entirely, you know, but I'm, I'm trying to hold it true as much as, you know, some of the bad things that, you know, I guess I saw, you know, while growing up, you know, like I'm not running around doing drugs, you know, and not coming home for, you know, three in the morning or, you know, promising to do stuff with my kids and not do it, you know, but I am making music and I am going to, you know, try to do more shows. And that's something that, you know, I lived with with my dad and stuff. So long story short, shaping all that into a parenting style has really just been the rebound of seeing the worst of it and not getting to that point. If that makes sense, you know, that a hundred percent makes sense. I mean, you're taking, you and I are almost cut from the same cloth in a sense where, you know, I'm a child of divorce, as I've talked about, and my mother remarried many times and going back and forth almost literally every other day to to a different parent's house growing up. I mean, it it takes a toll and you see a lot of different parenting styles from different step parents. My mom, she's on her, you know, this is her third marriage right now. So you see a lot of, you know, the two stepfathers and all that stuff. And so I, I wholeheartedly understand where you're coming from. You know, what you did, what a lot of people always seem to have a hard time with or it seems to me they have a hard time with is cutting off the legacy right there that this is where i was and this is where i don't have to be in the future you know just because i grew up in this lifestyle doesn't mean i have to give it the same for my child 
or fall into the same traps that I did growing up. Entirely. Exactly. And that's the thing I feel a lot of people just don't see. And it's hard for me to Mm -hmm. like sit back and actually like picture it like that. Like I know the limits that I will ever go to with my children. You know, I'm never not going to come home. I'm never not going to, you know, have a promise, you know, and and, and break it to them. You know, I'm not going to, you know, come home and be fucked up and not be able to take care of them. You know, I, I mean, do I know the future? Of course not. Um, right. No one knows the future. So I can say I'm going to be a happy person. And a week from now, two days from now, tonight, you know, after after I get off, you know, this I, I could be go from happy to sad. You know, I, I just don't know the future, but I can guarantee and, and say this, you know, when I seen the stuff that I've seen and the stuff that I had experienced and, you know, the, that I deemed unfair. And I think anyone would deem unfair. Like, that's just the stuff that draws the limit and the line of, you know, me being a parent because seeing that like you're not really being a good parent you know you're just kind of living right and but i at the same time i completely understand it we're all just kind of like waking up and trying to get through the next day you know because who the hell it's almost like we go through this like really no plan in place and just saying all right well what's the universe going to give to me today let's see what other shit i could sling and hope for the best when it comes to it or like you said in the beginning right like you look at your parents growing up and you're like, you knew what you were going to do. You knew the routine, but really you're just flying by the seat of your pants. And, but as a kid, you're picking up on that, that like, wow, they have all this parenting shit figured out. Yeah. You said something that I wanted to really hit on, right? You said you can't predict the future. And I always love that. I love that so much because you're right. You can't predict the future, but you can always envision the future you want. And I think that's always fun for a lot. I think that could either be a double-edged sword for a lot of people. And when we really envision a future, we really put our heads in the clouds and we don't really define a goal, but we say, I'm going to make a million dollars or I'm going to be the most present parent in the world, right? But we don't really take the steps necessary to shape that future, if if that makes sense. Yeah, I I can see that. Um, And it really depends on, I guess the future that you're looking at and the goals that you set. Cause I, I believe in man, you know, manifestation because mm-hmm. one of the things that I, I told myself and I literally have set these goals. And I, I think even you ask my wife, like, this is what I said. Like before I have a kid, I want to be married and I want to have a house. I want to be well off enough where I'm not going to worry about having to maybe, you know, apply for food stamps or get wick or anything like that. The, right. the three major things that I guess I'd never really had. You know, growing up, I know. I mean, yeah, I lived at my grandma's house for you know a long time, and we, me, my mom did move around, but it wasn't really planting roots. You know, it was always uprooting and just moving around, being that new kid. So one of the main things was planting roots because I want my kids to say know that this is their home, not always wondering what their next room is going to look like or what the next town is going to look like, but like to have those roots. So that that was the first major thing in my head. The second one was, you know, being married because obviously my parents were never married. So seeing that dynamic is tough, you know, for me growing up and trying to understand the love of a step parent and also trying to understand why my parents aren't together, like, but why, but they're together. You know, it's it's just a weird thing as a kid to try to piece that together and, and process it. So I wanted to be married. So I, I know that I would always be there for my children. The the third thing that I was manifesting was I want to be well off enough where I'm not 
financially worrying if I'm going to be able to get them diapers or formula or stuff like that. And so I told myself, I'm not having a kid until I have those things, those three things in order. And it's funny enough because (laughs) the year that I bought my house and got married, me and my wife got pregnant and we weren't really even trying. So I kind of manifested that all together. Like all the things that I told the universe, I'm not having a kid until these things are in line. As soon as they happened, Frankie came about. <laughs> it's, it's really weird. You know, it's it's weird, but I, you know, I preach it all the time. Like, right. The universe works for us, not to us. So you said to yourself, I'm not having a kid until I meet these three criteria. Yeah. And the universe said, all right, fam, I got you. That's cool. Yeah. What'd you do? You checked off the first one. Awesome. Checked off the first one. Second one done third one you did it and then as soon as that happened the universe said all right you completed everything that you needed to here you go this is what's going to happen for you and i think that hindsight or that that understanding that you know these three goals like having roots being married and well off enough to not have to worry i think are a lot of things that parents think about or that new parents try to think about yeah but they don't really put tangible things to it right they say oh well i want to be well off well what is well off to you right you know well off to me is completely different to well off to you so i think it's really sitting down and understanding that this is my definition of well off i don't want to be on wick i don't want to be on these social programs i just want to be able to make enough to where we don't have to worry to scrounge around money to buy diapers I want to make sure that we can own a house. Well, what's owning a house? Move in ready. Maybe make a couple repairs, right? I want to get married. I want to have a happy, healthy relationship because I want my kids to see what I didn't have growing up, right? Yeah. And by hitting all three of those, the universe said, all right, man, you did it. This is now your time to go out there and excel on this, which I think is absolutely amazing. It's funny you say that because I never actually looked at it that way. You know, I just kind of was like, yo... You know, I told myself this and then it just happened, you know, so, I, mm-hmm. you know, hearing you say that is kind of like eye opening to me because like you're right. You know, like this is my moment. This is my time. This is the you know what I told the universe. And now that it's here, you know, I need to own it. But at the same time, as much as I tell myself, like, yeah, you know, this is it. This is what I wanted, you know, and I should be happy. The chemicals in my brain, just like <laughs> most of the time are just like, yeah, you know, even though you have everything, do you even really know what happiness feels like? Matt, (laughs) you know, like, right. What is happiness? And that's something that, you know, I've had to face and still face every single day. Like, it's like, I almost crave drama in a way, you know, after living it for so long, like, I don't know if I could just be happy, even though I've achieved these goals day to day. It's like, oh man, (laughs) I wish something would happen. Like, yell at each other. Yeah. (laughs) Can I find one thing to just say like, oh, I need that. Right. No, I, I completely, I completely understand that, right? Because, you know, I've talked about before, me and my wife, we came from two different families. We came from two different lifestyles. Yeah. It's completely eye-opening when you see the other fence. Like, not maybe not the grass is greener on the other side, but really making sure that your grass becomes greener and not just jumping over to the other side, right? Yep. Living in your past, not becoming your past, I think is a big thing. Being understanding of like, can I be happy? That's a major self-realization in itself to say like, man, I know this is possible, but my brain's telling me, no, go fuck off. We're going to find something <laughs> to fight about. Yeah. And, and it's just a constant back and forth. So, I mean, you've started taking those steps by fighting that mental health and by realizing like, no, I'm better and stronger than this. 
and I know I'm going to be stronger than this, but it's, it's a pain in the ass and it might suck. But just by going through that, I mean, what did you see as like your, your toughest hurdle when you started fighting all that? Honestly, it's just getting past that point of just expecting to be hurt. You know, Mm. that's honestly was like the biggest hurdle for me. I mean, that and dealing with my anger, I feel like a lot of men, you know, have issues with. I mean, one of the biggest things was just, you know, finally being able to take a deep breath and not expecting to be hurt. Something I, I really looked at all these years of like, you know, my own relationships with with people and stuff. I always looked for somebody that kind of resembled like what I grew up with and, you know, to feed that drama. And like it wasn't healthy for me, but I craved it when I met my wife. She was on like, you know, any other woman I've ever dated before, complete opposite of everything. And, you know, now we're married and we have two kids. It's just that feeling of trying to deal with it. You know, sometimes it's just overwhelming. It, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And you, you said it best, right? You were the product of your past. You craved the drama. You craved that next fight because that's what you were, you know, I'm going to go vain, but that, that's what you were born into. That, that's what you were yeah. molded into, right? Like that, that's the only world you knew. And that was the, the comfort zone of Matt was I, I love, you know, I feed off drama because yeah. I'm used to the drama and being able to just take that first step out of that comfort zone. And you found your wife who, like you said, completely opposite of what you're used to. Yeah. And it's like you're tiptoeing out and you're uncomfortable, but you're okay with it. And you're kind of moving and everything's like squirming and you're like, oh man, I don't know if I could do this. And you maybe pick fights or you maybe do something to just try and get that little bit of like, we'll call it dopamine, right? That, that little (laughs) bit of drama in you just to kind of make you feel like yourself again. Exactly. Self-realization and just a different mindset in things is going to pay huge dividends in the long run, right? The moment you step out of your comfort zone and you say, nah, I could maybe do this or look at life in a different aspect compared to where I came from, it, it's going to make you more of a well-rounded person at the end of the day than just being who you were and being stuck in that same zone. Yeah. I mean, it, as hard as it is, as much as I don't want to go out there, I guess, you know, because, you know, that's the inner introvert in me. Um, and a lot of people will look at me like, Matt, Rufio, no. That guy's so outgoing and you know external, but really, at the end of the day, <laughs> I'd much rather just kind of be in my basement writing music, making music and stuff, and not really going out. It's almost like a burden for me to go out and, and do stuff or be the you know I guess the uh, social butterfly that I'm destined to be because you know the anxiety and the things in my head and, and all that stuff kind of like you know just kind of take over. You know, I, I say it all the time, like I'm the biggest extroverted introvert out there, right? <laughs> I could go out, I could talk to people, I could have a good time. Like you said, like just be in the basement writing music, like, you know, you know me, I, I write music too, or I could just be down here doing four hours of podcast work and just doing my thing. Yep. You're right. You almost feel like you're obligated to be something that maybe you're not, or maybe you have to fit a mold because that's what society tells you you have to fit. Well, I mean, yeah, we have to find a living that's good enough to provide for your own. And a lot of the times, I'd say the majority, 98.9% of the people that are doing their daily job don't enjoy it at all. You know, they oh, do it because I, they yeah. yeah, they do because they have to. 
And I think that takes a toll on people mentally. That's why mm-hmm. like mental health in our country is so fucked up. <laughs> people have to sit there and work nine to fives. And I say nine to fives, but we have people working two or three jobs, yeah. something that they don't oh, enjoy yeah. to, to, to do. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't like my, my current job. I, I, I like it. I mean, it's a very stressful position, but I like it. But would I rather, you know, get paid to make music and go on tour? Of course. I mean, anybody, any musician would love to do that. But it's very hard when you have to do a certain thing that you kind of don't want to do because I don't want to work a nine to five. I'd much rather play with my kids, watch them grow up, make music mm-hmm. and just I feel like that's what living should be, something that you find calmness in, something you find rewarding in and turning that into something that you can provide for your family. And I feel like that's everybody's deep down desire is to just say, man, I want to I want to take my hobby or I want to take my passion and make a living out of it. But I always feel like it's the imposter in us, the ones that say, man, nobody's going to care about your art. What do you mean yeah. you want to release an album or you want to you want to launch a podcast? Nobody's going to care about that. Who's going to listen to that? Yeah. And, and I feel like even the strongest person out there really lets that imposter in and says, no, you can't do that. No, the status quo says you have to work a quote unquote nine to five. You have to get paid money for a job that you don't like. Yep. And you have to do somebody else's work that you get no fulfillment or no joy out of. And you're absolutely right. All that does is it weighs you down and it tears you apart from the inside. And you feel like less, you feel just more of a shell at the end of the day. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, it, it's just a crazy thing that, you know, we dictated that we, this is something we do and we do it until we're like 50, 60 years old, older for mm-hmm. some people. And then now go live your life. Now that you're old and everything hurts and you're probably dead already, you know, to be honest with you, like that's the way things are, you know, nowadays with how food is and how stressful everything is and how much everything costs. I mean, people aren't living their life expectancies like they used to. No. And a lot of people are having more health issues and it all ties in, you know, into like a bigger, greater plan. It, It becomes a precursor to the anxiety and the depressions that we start feeling. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what it becomes. It's just that constant that that constant groundhog day of I know I'm better for something, but I'm afraid to step my toes out of the status quo for fear of failure and for fear of re- possible regret. Like you're you're already telling yourself I'm going to regret doing this when you didn't even start it yet. And oh, I think that's where gosh, a lot yes. of that comes from. Yes. Before I started where I'm working now, I was working out of a music studio and that's actually where I went into, you know, making music and I started working at this studio and then I kind of stopped and that's where like my kind of depression started and and things like that. But I was so complacent or complacent there and happy and well, maybe not entirely happy, but I was happy enough, but Mm -hmm. I was comfortable and I knew that I was having a kid soon and, you know, this place didn't provide uh, health insurance, vacation wouldn't didn't take the taxes out and stuff like that i do all that myself mm-hmm. and at the end of the year you know you're like sitting there like Fuck, what can i deduct <laughs> you know um but I, I saw that and i was like well man you know i'm doing this house you know and i'm getting married and i need to you know up my my financial gain and, and all this other stuff so i started interviewing these places and i finally landed an internship like a military internship they kind of like moved some stuff around i was kind of a little bit late but they liked me oh my god dude going from working in the music studio being the only tech guy there 
you know, I, everyone mm-hmm. comes to you and you're like, you just like, I don't do this. And they're like, okay, cool. You know, and that was it going from that to like a huge enterprise level, you know, corporation with like these different values and, and completely different culture. And he, seeing all these people working, I like, I didn't work with all these people. I was worked by myself for like the last five years. Like, I kind of went into that dark, deep hole by myself being like kind of lonely because in the studio, mm-hmm. there's no windows even, right. You know, you get right. there and you, and you leave and you don't even see the day. And then, being so afraid to even quit there because I was like, man, I really need this money. I have a kid coming, but I know like what could happen. And the thing is, like the, the job wasn't even guaranteed. It was an internship. Right. So like I put like everything on the line to leave this place. I was comfortable that I know I made enough to be able to, you know, get by. But, I, you know, it'd be harder with, you know, out these benefits and stuff. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I- I'm going to go. I'm going to do this because I have a feeling that, you know, something will work out. Well, let me tell you, <laughs> that was like about eight or nine months, very stressful time, because for that nine months, I was an intern the entire time with the possibility of not even you know converting full time. Mm-hmm. So I put up all this stuff to do something that I had no idea would even work because so, I knew that there was a gamble of a better life at the end of it. You know, I gave up my comfortability, something I was comfortable with, something I knew that I would have security in. And I was like, you know what? I know this will be better for my family and for myself. And for me to do something like that is, (laughs) wow, that's crazy, you know? But doing that from that moment on, doing that right there, not only did I get a better job with benefits for my family, right? It kind of like snowballed into an avalanche or, or whatever the hell you call it. I guess it's an avalanche, big yeah. old you know, snowball yeah. falling to me, eventually coming back with my music and putting out that album. And I don't feel like I would have done that if I you know, stayed with what I was doing. If I didn't take what was comfortable and shake that up. I mean, you have no idea like how many times I wanted to throw up like, oh, my God, am I really going to get this job? Like, I just bought a house, bro. Like, what is going to happen if I don't get this job? Like, am I going to find a job that even pays me what I did before? Because like jobs suck (laughs) right now. And if you don't have a degree, good luck, you know, unless you're doing trade stuff. Just like I said, shaking that up, that taking myself out of that comfortability led to many different things, you know, down the line, like getting back into music and, and, and doing the thing. Guys, I want you to take away something right there because I just took this away from Matt. Matt was just about ready to have a kid. He was comfortable where he was. He was making just enough, but there wasn't no, there wasn't any benefits, and it might be a little difficult going on. But what did he do? He didn't have a fallback plan, but he went to this internship that he wasn't even sure it was going to give him a full-time job going forward. He said, I got to do this. I got to step out of somewhere where I'm comfortable because I believe comfortability kills, complacency kills. And when you step out of that and you go into that unknown, the world begins to open, right? It's those small steps we take today that are going to lead to massive impacts down the road. Now, Matt's always been an aspiring musician. He could have stayed in the studio. He could have kept doing his thing and doing that grind and just making music. And one day he may have gotten there. But what happened? He took this internship. Things started changing. He saw a different world than what he may not have had he stayed where he was, being complacent, not seeing the sun every day. And just kind of going through the routine and going through the motions, getting uncomfortable and just saying, I have to do this for not just myself, but for my family. 
if there's that gut feeling that says you need to go out and do this, I will promise you 99.9999998% of the time, you're going to want to follow that gut feeling. We get so scared of going into something without a fallback plan that we never take the jump because we're always told, oh, you're going to quit. A, you're going to quit a good job and you don't know if this is going to be guaranteed. I may have something on the back burner if I were you. I'm just saying, I'm not telling you what to do, but right, that's what people tell us. They tell us we should do these things instead of just doing what we know is right for us. And that plays a huge, huge, huge mindfuck in our mind, especially when we're battling through mental health and all these other things. We're saying, I'm going out of the status quo. I'm doing something completely different, but I know it's going to do something. And what happened? It brought him back to music. It brought him back to something he loved. He was able to find pieces and relate other pieces of information and maybe apply it to what he's doing now to make it even better had he stayed where he was. So I just want you guys to think about that of taking that one step of uncomfortability can open up, will open up a huge amount of doors for you in the long run. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's funny. You, you just said that not really knowing you breaking out, not really knowing what's going to be next. When I was in the military <laughs> and I was getting ready to, to get out, that was like one thing like a lot of the NCOs would like mm-hmm. talk to you about, like the people that have been in there for so long, you know, well, are you going to be able to find a job when you get out? What are you going to do? Blah, 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 blah. And they'd sit there and they'd like, it's like, it was like a cult in a way. Like they'd sit there and try to make you like, really nervous and afraid to get out and try to transition to civilian life. Like, what are you going to do? Like how this is all, you know, which was, I mean, to be honest, I mean, that transition was crazy. I mean, I went from high school straight into, I didn't really have that uh, young adulthood kind of finding it on my own until I got out of the service, you know, then you get into that whole mindset and it kind of sticks with like a lot of people. I have a lot of uh, battle buddies that kind of go through that, like that transition from, you know, being personnel to being, you know, a civilian, a lot of them can't make that transition. And it's it hard. literally is the same. It is very hard. It's very mm-hmm. hard. It took me a long time, you know, to feel kind of normal again. And at the same time, I didn't really know what normal felt because, you know, I went from that whole crazy childhood straight to the military, then into being my like on my own. And I'm just like, this is weird. This is life. Like, this is what really life really is. Like just sitting here by yourself. I mean, I see how it relates. You get it drilled into you in service. And I hear it like all the time from soldiers and stuff. But I also feel like people feel that way when, you know, they're working that dead end, zo- like a dead end job. They know that it's going to, you know, put food on the table, but they're always afraid to make that leap. And if you can just make that jump, you know, it might not even be a jump. You know, don't don't even, you know, picture it like that. T- baby steps, you know, one giant leap for mankind. Do that giant leap for yourself, because if you can do it, things will start changing as much when I was writing my album, like I sit there and write and I'd be like, this is terrible. No one's going to listen to this. No one's going to like this. You know, I try to stop myself all the time, but I continued and pushed on. And now that it's out, I can say that it's done and I did it. And I wouldn't be able to say that before. I just sit there and think about doing it. And that's what a lot of people end up doing. A lot of my friends do it as well. They put these great ideas in their head. You know, we touched on this right when we started. You put these ideas mm-hmm. in your head and you're like, yeah, this, I'm, this is going to happen. And this, but you don't start. 
you just keep those ideas in your head, but you never start. And if you don't start the race, you ain't going to get to the fucking finish line. And that's what a lot of people just don't see. And then they just become complacent and comfortable. That's how you wake up and you're fucking 50 years old. And where'd your life go? That's what happens. That's literally what happens. And if you can just step back and that's the hardest thing for everybody. It's still hard for me to just step back. Like just imagine you stepping out of your body and just looking at yourself and a timeline appears. Are you happy? Right now, you know, maybe not you, Dave, but like, is anybody like really happy? You know, and if you are, that's fucking awesome. I really want to meet you. You know, <laughs> I feel like the majority of people aren't. But it's crazy when you think about that, because if you didn't live the life you live, you wouldn't be where you are now. So would you give would you give all that up? Because I wouldn't as much as I really wish I could go back and maybe not say that one thing to an ex-girlfriend or maybe not do that thing with my friends that got us in trouble, you know, or drinking and driving, you know, the shit that I used to do when I was crazy because, you know, I didn't give a fuck. Now that I have kids, I'm kind of more grounded than what I was because I was fucking crazy. But at the same time, it's like, are you, you know, can you really be happy with everything you lived? Because if you're not, then you're going to end up repeating those same cycles. But at the same time, you kind of have to be because if I didn't do everything I did, then I probably wouldn't have my daughter, my two daughters, you know, and they're my world now. And it's just a really weird thing to think about, like all the things I wish I could have done better if I did it better, if I did it worse, would I be here right now with my two kids? You know, and that's a weird thing to think about because I would have never thought about that before. You are exactly you are exactly right. I mean, I say it all the time. You're exactly where you need to be right now in this universe, right? We think so much in hindsight of, oh man, if I just did this differently or man, if I if I was just able to get this little piece, this this little bit, I'd be so much better off. Yeah. And I'm guilty of this too. We never really just take a step back all the time and I love to self-reflect and self-analyze. And just like you said, build a timeline. Are you happy with where you're at right now? Maybe you are, maybe you're not. And that's fine. For the majority of us, we're not. We can always strive for more. We can always come better. Yes. But I always feel it becomes to writing down and understanding attainable goals, right? Yep. You you said it best. It's not jumping right into the to the deep end and hoping for the best. It's those small micro steps we take today that are going to become much better, not just for our family, but for our mental health and for ourselves. Building and fighting mental health, and you know this as well as I do, fighting mental health is like going to the gym. The more you go in and the more you put your reps in, you're going to get better. You're going to get stronger. You're going to have your days where you plateau or you may fall off, but you know if you just keep going one day at a time, you're going to get stronger. It's going to get better, and you're going to be better because of it. Because you didn't let things fall to the wayside when the world tells us, man, it's easier to just sit here and be miserable and hate life and just do that, right? It, it's so much easier to do that. It really is. <laughs> it, it takes so much work to be positive and just to have a smile to a stranger and just to say, man, I, I got your coffee for you. It's cool. I'll cover this. All I want you to do is just pay it forward to somebody else, right? That's the small stuff that makes somebody's life better. Or honestly, could be the turning point in somebody's life. Yeah. I mean, this is a great way um, to, I guess, to think about it is one thing I always tried to do, you know, is just be positive. Right. And 
some can mm-hmm. say that's easy and some can say it's hard, but be positive, right? And you could do that like, oh, cool. Uh, show's coming on. I'm positive about that. You know, oh, work went well today. I'm positive about that, right? Very easy to be positive. But what I find very hard, and I think everyone finds hard, is when the negatives come, you know? Mm-hmm. And how can you spin that into a positive? And see, this is where I am, I'm at in my life is I'm to the point now <clears throat> where I'm human, you know? I let anger get the best of me sometimes, you know? And it's just something that just happens and you have to work through it. But I'm looking at that objectively and I'm seeing that there's an issue. You know, I'm like, oh, my God, like this is how I'm acting. And I I could see it within seconds of me even like saying something or acting that way. I'm like, wow, you're really being a dick. And then just try to you know put it off. But doing that, you're just going to end up going through the, the, the circles. But if you can step back and objectively see yourself acting this way, then, you know, you can really work on bettering yourself. So. You know, the whole point is that when you see yourself be angry at a negative situation. So like, for example, today, perfect example, I had to take my littlest one to uh, physical therapy because she had like some rotocol, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. She got, uh, you know, um, discharge day because she's doing really well. But awesome. my wife, you know, has to leave early, uh, like at 545 and head to her parents. But she left her behind. And right when she left, literally shut the door. 545. We don't have to be there till late. Who starts crying? Little Willa. And I can sit there and look at it in two different ways. Be like, oh, man, I'm really pissed off that you're crying right now. Daddy needs like an extra hour. Yep. You know, I don't want to have to get up because if I get up, I have to feed you, burp you, change you, get you comfortable. And then what? Daddy will have 40 minutes, left, 20 minutes, 10 minutes. Who knows? Because it's always different. So I can react to that right away or I can just fucking eat it up. And look and try to find the positives in it. Like, okay, well, now she'll be awake, you know, and and eat and fed before we go to our appointment. Maybe later in the day, you know, something at work will happen where I get a little extra break. Now I start to look at the positives of the negative coming at me. You know, same thing I could apply to like seeing something in my bank account that I didn't think, you know, I, I wasn't expecting. I'm like, oh, fuck, I forgot I, was, I had that bill, you know, I had on auto pay or whatever. And now it just hit. I'm like, well. I'm really upset. I can't buy this now. I can't go get smokes. I can't blah, blah, blah. You know, that's how people react to it right away. That's how the majority of people like when really you could step back and be like, okay, well, that bill's paid now. (laughs) So I don't have to worry about it. I might, you know, have to eat some ramen, but that bill's paid. Or maybe that bill freed up some extra credit on a credit card. So I can now use maybe $5 to go get a fucking happy meal. You know, now that that bill is paid or something. So that's something I'm really, really working on is getting all those negatives, right? And instead of reacting negatively, stopping for a second and trying to find the positives in that negative. Because if I don't, I'm going to end up driving myself crazy in my later years, you know, because this is just a repetitive cycle that we have to do every single day. So if you can stop and really start finding those positives in the negatives that are thrown your way, positivity is just going to end up being something that not only follows you, but is just you won't be stressed. You won't be angry anymore. It compounds on itself. Exactly. Well, so like when, when you're out and about and you see people reacting so negatively, like, Oh my God, they forgot. They put ranch on my salad. What the fuck you bitch? You know, I'd be like, Oh, there's ranch on my salad. Okay. Well, honey, do you want the salad? And I can be like, Hey, you know, there's ranch on this. You know, you're going to end up seeing how much better you react to things like, Oh, someone cut you off on the highway. Well, instead of trying to chase them down and, 
you'd be like, you know, whatever, you know, and it just, it's like that snowball effect. You take that little step, it gets better. It, it really does. It, but it mm-hmm. takes that little step. It takes that little step. Negativity builds upon negativity. Positivity outweighs negativity, which builds more positivity. You, yeah. you, you said it absolutely right. I mean, I'm going to say this here before we move on to the next one. It's taking those small steps. And that's, that's what has to happen when we are building a new mindset, right? When we're breaking away from mental health, when we're breaking away from those demons and we're saying, no, I'm better than this. I'm going to build better than this, especially as men. And especially as new fathers, you said it right. This morning, the date of this recording, your little one wakes up 545. You could have been like, oh, Jesus, I just need another hour. Why are you crying? Just stop crying. Instead, what'd you do? You said, man, now we could get her fed. Now she'll be good before her appointment. Now I could do this. Now I have that. You flipped the script. You took emotion out of it and you said, this is going to get better. And I know it's going to get better now because of this. Yeah. And I feel I learned positivity this way. It's when you, you know, use this analogy or use it however you need to. But when you go to the gym, right, you say, I'm going to work out. You're not going to tell yourself you're going to the gym five days a week or you're going to be able to sustain going to the gym five days a week. There is no way in hell that you're going to have a 500% return on investment. There's no way. There is absolutely no way you're going to be able to knock that out. No, and you'll get burnt out, too, and not want to do it anymore. Exactly. Exactly. What's going to happen is you're going to get there and you're going to do the day one. You might feel all right. You might feel pretty good. You'll be okay. Blah, blah, blah. But then what happens? You try and go day three. Now you're hurting. Now you can't get out of bed. Now everything sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. And you lose your motivation. You lose your passion. You lose the consistency because it's just all gone because you just tried to push yourself too much. Positivity Everybody always thinks, oh, the more you're positive, the better it'll become. It, it's the same as going to the gym, guys. It's taking it that one day, maybe do something, maybe buy somebody's coffee every Monday before you go into work, right? That's one positive thing. Then you start building it up to two days a week and then three days a week. Or you wake up and you say, these are the three things I'm grateful for. It could be my son. You know, I have a great son. I love my wife and I'm awake today. That's all you need to start flipping that mindset and to really really take control of who you are. The law of attraction is 100% real. The more you follow positivity, the more it's going to follow you and the more it's going to come to you. Everybody feels, oh, positivity just comes there, blah, 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 blah. Negativity is the only thing that knows how to follow me. Well, that's because you only think in negative light. You don't think in I don't mean be like a cheerleader to like rah, rah, right. happiness, you know, no, nothing like that. No, exactly. That's not, that's not my definition of positivity. <laughs> A hundred percent agree, but it's, it's really understanding and just being happy in yourself and what you're doing and finding the yin and the yang, right? Taking the negativity and finding that positive, whether you have to sit down and I, I said this in an episode, but whether you have to sit down, write it down, all the negative stuff, and then find one positive thing to that negative thing, whatever's going to get you to build and to make that better, go out and do it. We talked in the beginning that Rufio, he just debuted his album. It'll be a month Tomorrow, from the date of this recording, Speramus Meloria, which translates into We Hope for Better Things. So, Matt, I want you to take us through a little bit on your thoughts of why you really wanted to go the route you did when you made this album. Yes. <laughs> well, it was really interesting because, you know, out of nowhere, I mean, I would always freestyle like throughout the years that I was dormant and I go to parties, you know, back when I was partying and, you know, go to these like freestyle circles and it was always fun, you know, 
and I that's how I kind of kept you know my craft going. I mean, I was doing some like conspiracy theorist music, you know, hip hop a couple years ago. I actually did Hash Bash, and that was like the last thing I kind of did because from there, I just I don't know kind of lost like the passion and, and stuff like that. So just those years of laying dormant, just out of nowhere, I was uh, you know listening to a couple producers online, and I heard the beat for dopamine and Mm -hmm. i'm sitting there i'm like this has a pretty cool melody you know and i just started like going at it and once i started writing i I just couldn't stop and then i started i heard these two other beats i heard uh, regicide and into the void and believe it or not like even those are like one of the last two songs i put out uh, regicide and into the void are actually one of the first two I, i i wrote getting back mm. into this, you know, then dopamine. I, I kind of painted it that dopamine was first, but dopamine wasn't first. It was regicide and, and into the void. And once I actually heard the melody for dopamine, that right there was like the floodgate opening for me to just start writing the rest of the uh, the tracks on, on the album. And every song that you hear on the album was written within the last two years. So kind of on the tail end of me kind of, finding you know the top of the hole that i kind of fell into and dug you know myself the fact that you were able to to really take the hole you dug yourself and just turn it out there into something and finding those beats right like you didn't expect it to happen but you just heard it and that and that artistic intuition took and you're like damn i really like that and then another one hit and then another one hit and you're like i could really work with something on this and to me when i listen to the album and I think I even told you this when I was messaging you, like the first track corpse, like you knew exactly what you were getting yourself into as soon as that first track plays. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it takes you on that whirlwind and just like, how difficult was it for you personally to really say like, I'm going to put something so personal out there for other people to listen to. Well, see, that's, that's really hard because it's like a question to answer because I don't really, I guess I really don't know what those limits are. Like we talked about like limits of being a parent, but mm-hmm. limits of, you know, knowing what I guess is emotionally acceptable or just acceptable in general to share versus what's not, you know, acceptable to share because I'm, I'm putting everything out, you know, there in the open. I mean, I'm sure there's other people that do the same. There's some people that do the same, but a lot sure. of people always hide that one little thing. And, you know, I got a couple of skeletons in my closet. I'm not going to lie that I'm not going to, you know, talk about until maybe one day where I'm comfortable enough to do that. But I'm pretty much emptying every single thing that was holding me down and finally getting rid of it because it just kept piling on and getting heavier and heavier to the point where that's where I fell into that deep, dark, uh, deep, dark hole. And once I started writing away this baggage, emptying this closet, that's when I really started feeling like good again, you know, and just sitting there and, and and just writing these thoughts and emotions that I have, knowing that at the time, that's how I felt and that's how I feel, you know, and now later, now that the album's out, people are actually grooving to this music, seeing how people relate to it and how they, you know, feel a lot of the same things. It's really eye opening to know that because for the longest time, I felt like alone in my thoughts and feelings. But to know that, you know, other people are out there that feel the same way, that's that's pretty awesome. But at the same time, like I kind of felt like I knew that deep down anyway. I mean, how many was it? Eight, nine billion people 
on, on planet Earth? You know, there's got to be like, like seven and a half billion. Yeah, it's something crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So mathematically speaking, there's got to be the same me out there somewhere. Right. It's got to be. I, I say it all the time. There's a rule of 16, right? For as many for every one of you, there's 16 on average that are close to who we are is in that, our world. Is in, that the in number in, in Jet Li? The one is that was the 16 I have, of them? I, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I couldn't even tell you, but that, that's just something. I think it was. I think it was. We'll go with that. Hey, whatever. I'll take it. I'll take it anyway. <laughs> but I, I really want to hit on something you said there, right? Like you said, I'm putting something that held me down for so long out there that subconsciously I, I felt I was the only one going through this, but there had to be somebody else out there going through it, but you never really, never really fully grasped that, I think, until you actually put, until you actually put yourself out there, right? Yeah. And it became so much of a therapy for you to just write and write and write and just to get everything out there that was balling up for the longest time and say, this is who I am, world. Go out there and let me know what the hell you think. And just getting the responses back like you've gotten from people that relate to this or find their own interpretation to a song and you know can pick apart different pieces of things and really, really resonate with them, I, I think speaks volumes of not just who you are as a person, but who we are as a collective in the in the world all to, all around. I think the the biggest thing was you know really getting out of my 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 comfortable my my, my comfortable zone and stretching my feet and really seeing what I was capable of because like when I joined that that corporation and hearing all these new terms and seeing people do their job I'm you know the, my imposter syn- uh, syndrome kicked in I'm like I'm not as well versed as these people are even knowing even though knowing I am I just don't know what the fuck they're talking about because it's their own you know internal stuff i'm just sitting there like man i'm i'm not good enough and the same thing was applying to my music i'm like i'm i'm doing this right and it's good enough for me but you know is it really that good already beating myself up all the time making stuff like this and really putting it out there it it was really hard to do that because i'm already i'm already you know i'm already upset at at life in general and you know, i'm already very self-conscious about what people think you know even though i shouldn't be I am, you know, we're like I said, it's another trait of being human, which I'm working on. You know, I might not be a fucking robot like Zuckerberg or Elon, but I'm working on it. Right. Um, what you have to, what you have to do, you got to put up that force, you know, when you kind of put yourself out there like that, you know, when you put yourself out there like that, you're going to have haters, which I do. You're going to have people, mm-hmm. you know, saying like, oh, you're just a little white voice from suburbia. You know, I might have lived there for a little bit. It's not who I am. Like I said, seeing how people react to this and actually hearing people listen to this as therapy like they listen to this and it helps them get through a lot of shit and i'm like wow that's just that's crazy because it's my it's my own experience and this is the way right. i seen things and you know to, again to, to see people relating to that even though they've experienced it completely differently but to know that there's a bond there is both heartwarming and heartbreaking at the same mm-hmm. time agreed Whole wholeheartedly agree. I could not, I could not have said that any better. In all honesty, it, it's absolutely mind-boggling. Like when I started this podcast, like it became a therapy for both Ryan and I. And you're absolutely right. No matter what you have out there, you're going to have the haters out there, or you're going to have the people that say thank you so much because I, I even said it in the beginning of this. Right, you and me are cut from the same cloth in a sense where we have similar experiences growing up it may not be the same exact thing but you and i can relate on a pretty similar level of where we grew up and how we molded our own lives yeah and and i think that's a big thing for us 
not just as dads, but as parents and as just human beings in general is just saying, I'm better than this. I know I'm better. And knowing and understanding that there's people out there that are going through the same things that we're going through every single day. And when we really open up those lines of communication and we say, hey, it's okay if you didn't do that as a dad, or it's okay to have those feelings when your kid's going to be born. Guess what? I did the same thing too. I'm waking up every morning and I'm figuring it the fuck out. You're going to do the same thing, man. Like we are in this fight together one step at a time and one day at a time. You really brought that home by just saying like, it's heartwarming, but it's heartbreaking. It, It really, really is that this is where we have to be. Or this is where we are now, but this isn't who we have to be in the future. Exactly. Exactly. So I I think I think to really to really start wrapping all this up today. And guys, I just want to say this again. We have Matt Rafino on the on the mic with us, Rufio or Mateo, however you want to however you want to hit him up. Oh yeah. Absolutely amazing conversation. Take whatever resonated with you today, right? We're we're one in the same cloth, one way or another. That rule of sixteen. For everyone, there's sixteen of us just the same way. Take what resonated with you. Take what can relate to you. Make that happen in your own life. And just to really help down on that, Matt, what would what would one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who's listening who may be fighting their own mental health? And in your own words, what does it mean for you to be a fearless father? So I'll, I'll go ahead and, and start with uh, someone who might be fighting their own demons and stuff right mm-hmm. now. First of all, don't be afraid. That's what I was for the longest time. I was afraid. I was afraid of if I said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing, what would people think? Would people like want to lock me up, put me away? Would someone try to take my kid away? You know, that's one of the major things. And I and it's fucked up because I look on on, on TV. I, you know, my wife watches TLC all the time, and I see how fucked up those parents are and those lives are. And yet they have a fucking TV show, right? But I'm mm-hmm. sitting here like, man, I have really bad anxiety today, and I might, you know, I kind of feel like fucking strapping a rope up, you know, as deep as that sounds like that's just shit that that people have to fucking like I deal with like all the time. And I'm afraid to even fucking say that stuff like in just normal conversation. I'll put it in my music because that's my therapy. But to actually sit down and have that conversation with somebody like that's frightening as fuck. And you don't know the outcome of what's going to happen. But you don't know until you fucking have that conversation until you make that leap that 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 baby step or whatever is don't be afraid because mm-hmm. you're just going to end up living in fear your entire life i mean this is something that i i still do and i don't know if other people do this um i think it's something that i learned from my mom just because you know growing up i was like always afraid of confrontation you know because i've always seen it and i just knew that once confrontation started bad shit would happen it's like when there's like really awkward stuff in movies or a TV show or something, I kind of turn my head away from the TV and it's very hard for me to look at the damn TV. And it's the weirdest fucking thing ever. I'm like, wait, why am I doing this? I'm like, I'm fucking going to be 30 and I'm still doing this shit. Like, I can't even look at the TV because it's like a super embarrassing thing happened to this person in the movie. And I'm like, yep. why can't I, why can't I look at the screen? But yet I still do that. And I, I, I sit there and I look at that. I'm like, wow, if that's something I do just by looking at a, like for a, something embarrassing in a movie, Imagine what people do in real life when real shit fucking hits the fan or when real shit crops up and they're so afraid that they can't do anything about it. 
I'm only seeing I'm only doing this in the aspect of a movie, which is weird in the sense that I can just get it done in real life. But when it comes to a fucking fake movie, I got to turn away because that's just embarrassing. Right. Right. I feel like that's how people feel in real life. So don't live in fear. Don't live in fear. Don't let it control you as much as it wants to. And it thrives off it. That's that's the energy that it takes um, to survive is by thriving off your fear. Throw that away. Once you throw that away and you take your first step, you, you do that one little thing, you're going to see that it just keeps getting easier and it keeps getting better. And you can apply that with anxiety. I mean, not really anxiety. I mean, some people need medicine. A lot of people need medicine. You know, I'm not saying don't be on medicine if you need it, but you can apply that to everything. I mean, yeah, anxiety, you know, you can take your deep breaths, trying to lose weight. Don't eat that fucking extra donut before you go to bed. You know, eat one less thing, you know, per day. Um, before you go to bed, once you can strip that, I'm telling you, your demons are going to fucking drown. I always thought mm. that my demons knew how to swim, which some of them do. Most of them, they kind of drowned. And once that happened, it's just like it's refreshing and you start doing stuff you never done before. It just starts snowballing like, you know, you put out a fucking album. <laughs> so um <laughs> And to finish that off, like what, you know, what it means to be a fearless father, you know, we're talking about taking the fear away. Huh? That's funny, right? Circle back to this. Um, To be a fearless father is, yeah, is to not be afraid of failure. You know, now we're moving to being a parent now. Don't be afraid of failing. You know, you have these ideas in your head. You're like, I'm going to be the best parent ever. My kid's going to be the best kid ever. I'm not going to bring an iPad to a fucking restaurant because that's bullshit. You know, for that kid, they should be eating family with their family. Shut the hell up. You know what I mean? Everyone's different. Every kid's different. Every experience is different. And you you just can't be afraid of failing, especially in in public. We all have our limits and we all reach them randomly time and time again, some daily. But you know what you can improve on and what you can work on. And once you can really just not be afraid of failing, you're going to have such a fucking good time and such a fun time being a parent because you're not going to worry about oh if i do this wrong i'm it doesn't make me a good dad or i I failed them in a certain way i mean Mm -hmm. you have to be careful though because there are certain things that you can do very easily that can scar a child (laughs) very easily like something that you think would be the most minuscule thing in the world could fuck up your child for the longest time i'm not trying to say that to make you nervous what I'm saying is don't sweat that little shit. Don't don't sweat it. You stub your toe. Kid fucking drops your their, uh, toy on your and, and your toe and it hurts. Fucking don't scream. I learned that the hard way. Happened to me a few weeks ago. Frankie uh, dropped this really, really heavy toy right on my toe <laughs> and it fucking hurt. I'm like, ah, and I'm like screaming a little bit. And she got so afraid. Yeah. She got so I mean, it literally broke my heart. She got so afraid, thought I was mad at her and ran to mama. And like, I literally like from that, like from seeing that, like made me fucking cry. I'm like, wow. Oh, yeah. Just something that like I'm just reacting. You know, I'm just re- like I said, reacting. But she got afraid of that. Now that I know that limit, I'm not going to get to that limit again. You know, that's what I'm right. saying. But don't be afraid of failing like, oh, shit, that might you know fuck with her for a little bit. But I know better, you know, because of it. And now I know not to act that way or, or be that way. Uh, when something you know stupid like that happens, but it's just not. Yeah, just don't be afraid to fail because you're going to fail a lot. It's going to happen all the fucking time. Try to take your kid to the zoo. Oh, shit. I forgot a, a diaper. 
you know, oh, sh- you know, you're taking your kid to the, the lake. I forgot the towel at home. Shit's going to happen. Don't get upset. Just roll with it. That's life. You know, failure fucking comes in many forms. And you just got to take that negative, make it a positive. And not only is your life, but your kid's life are going to be awesome. And they're going to look back and they're going to be like, dad, mom, how'd you do that shit? How are you so calm all the time? You know, and then they're going to take that and then they're going to apply it. Because think about it like this. If I had to see all that bullshit growing up and then learn to be better and then apply that better. Imagine the slate and the starting ground of your child where you give them that that calmness that dad can do anything and then watch how they treat their children, how they flourish. It's going to be absolutely amazing. That sums everything up there, guys. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to fail. Take it one step at a time, one day at a time, right? I really think that this conversation today is summed up in one perfect quote. I've said it before. Harry Truman said it best. Imperfect action is better than perfect inaction. It's a good quote. It's a fantastic quote, right? Imperfect action is better than perfect inaction. Going in there and just not waiting for everything to be perfect. Go out there and push it and prod it and move and know you're going to fail, but taking those failures and making them successes. Finding the positive in that negative light is going to make you more well-rounded, is going to make you better, and is going to make you stronger than you ever were before. I want to thank Rufio for being on the show with us today. Guys, he dropped so much great Great insight, great conversation. This this was an absolutely, absolute honor to have you on the show, man. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Um, It was really cool to, you know, say what's on my mind finally. Uh, (laughs) You know, I have so much, so much to say, but I think we touched on like a lot of great topics and, you know, it's it's been a pleasure talking with you and I'm really glad you guys had me on. Dude, I'm, I'm super glad to have you on. It was an absolute blast and just keep going out there. Keep doing what you're doing. If you guys want to check out Rufio, his album is out now, Sparamus Meloria. You can find that in the description of this episode. We put it out there before for you guys. We'll put it out there again. I promise you, check it out. You're not going to want to miss this. Go out there, support the guys going out there and just crushing it every single day in their own way. Don't forget, we have our contest going on right now. Our Fearless Fathers prize pack giveaway worth over 40 bucks plus some. All the rules for that are going to be in the description of this episode as well, too. That closes on the 30th, so don't miss that now. Go out there and just keep crushing it, guys. Keep crushing your dreams. Support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Find all of our stuff on fearlessfathers.net. This man that I was on the microphone with us right now when we called him out before, he's the one that did it, so give it up to him yet again for helping us out there. Absolutely <laughs> hey, amazing. Just doing, just doing what I know. You know what I mean? You, 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 you <laughs> take your knowledge and just roll with it. You know, and that's that's it. Double down on your strengths, guys. Take your knowledge, roll with it, and get stronger. Your children are learning and growing every single day. Just because you're an adult and a dad does not mean you can't do the same. We are in this life one step at a time, one day at a time. We're taking imperfect action one day at a time. So let's continue to take that action and let's embrace the fear. 